Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we speak with indie video game developers, publishers, and industry professionals about their projects, their stories, and their advice to others. I'm your host, Logan Schultz, and today on the show, I sit down with Luke Muscat, best known for being the man behind the hit mobile game, Fruit Ninja. Luke goes in-depth with the fascinating Fruit Ninja story, we chat about his thoughts on the mobile video game scene, and he even shares some information about his studio's upcoming project. Before we get to the interview, however, a couple of quick notes. This show is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm working to help indie developers reach their goals and new audiences. The company also strives to offer unique, inspiring, and even educational services for developers, publishers, and gamers alike, which is why we get to bring this show to you. Speaking of which, be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes and other podcast services across the internet, and please leave a review. If you'd like to be a part of the show and share your thoughts, questions, or even request a professional to bring on the podcast, send me an email at logan at blackshellmedia.com or reach out on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. Finally, special thanks to Luke for joining us on the show, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for allowing us to use his song, Going Higher, in the show. And now, from pretty great, Luke Muscat. Indie Insider today, I am talking with Luke Muscat, perhaps best known for Fruit Ninja, one of the biggest mobile games of all time. Luke, how's it going? Hey, Logan. Yeah, I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, a little tired, been a long day, but I'm shaking it off. I'm ready to chat. Excellent. It's good. It's like early in the morning here, so I'm just smashing coffee, so I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. So tell me, where are you based out of? Uh, so we're in Brisbane, Australia. So it is like I think it's five PM Tuesday for you at the moment. Uh yeah, just about. Yeah, and it's like nine in the morning on Wednesday for me. So we live in the future, basically. <laughs> you do live in the future. Um I love Australia. I've never been there. Uh and I'm terrified of spiders. But um I and I guess I've never had Vegemite. What else is there about Australia? All the stereotypes. Oh, I, I mean, know. yeah, we, we all like ride kangaroos to work. You know, that's that's Oh, yeah, definitely, how's your kangaroo? Good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Might have to put <laughs> it in for a service soon, you know. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. All right. <laughs> well, Luke, uh, I've heard nothing but great things about you, about oh. Pretty Great, your current studio. Uh, I'm really excited to chat. Why don't we go ahead and just get started? Tell me your origin story, how did you get here to where we are now? Jeez. Yeah, I guess it depends on exactly how far back you want to go. But um, it, it... Well, when were you born? What, <laughs> uh, when, when's your birthday, Luke? Uh, October. I feel weird okay. giving more detail on that, though. Uh-huh. Mine's also October, so I got gotcha. you. It's all right. Um, yeah, no, it's... yeah, I'm worried people are going to like send you things now on yeah, random like... days in October. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it, it's... It's pretty interesting. I feel like maybe I didn't have a very um, typical kind of entry into the games industry. Um, I grew up basically in the bush on a farm, um, ages away from 
pretty much anything, uh, you know, and definitely with no technology in the house at all. I didn't have a com- oh. didn't have a computer until I was, I think maybe sixteen or so. Um, you know, I we we had like games consoles, like a NES and a SNES and everything, but we always got it really late. Like we got them as hand me downs from other families once they'd upgraded to the new console. So like we got a NES when the SNES came out because. Oh, sure. Yeah, the NES was old news by then. So, you know, it was definitely not like I was uh, surrounded by people in technology or, you know, particularly immersed in games or anything like that. But I did really, really like playing games. And, you know, I was sort of, you know, when I was 18, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do at university because, you know, university was pretty much the ticket out of the farm. Uh, I was go to the city and go and do something. Um, and I went to like this, it was like a trade show type thing, I guess, like all the universities are pimping out their courses and, you know, like, Hey, you should do economics or Hey, you should do law or, you know, everyone's kind of spruiking their, their course. And they had like this ridiculously small, it was like a little card table in the corner with like this really badly printed off sign that said like, get a job making video games. And I saw this and my mind just exploded. I was like, because <laughs> somehow, like, it hadn't ever really occurred to me that that was a job. You know, it was like I played video games and um, engaged with them, but, like, my mind hadn't quite put together that maybe a bunch of people had to make this and build this. Sure. Uh, it, it just hadn't. And I, I'd actually, like, already applied for a bunch of courses. And as soon as I saw that, like, I went home and I had changed all of my courses to be like, yep, yeah, that's it. I want to make video games. Um, so yeah, I did like a course. It basically, uh, it was not a great course, but, um, you know, I guess I learned a lot of, a lot of stuff about (laughs) doing hard things, which was probably the best thing about (laughs) video games that it taught me. Um, it was really weird because it was, there wasn't, you know, it was really brand new back then. And so it wasn't like, Hey, here's like a games design course. They just kind of cottoned on to the fact that they could get people in to do do these games degrees but really it was just like an it degree combined with a creative industries degree like there was nothing about games in that at all um so did all that and then um at the end uh, we were basically just ignoring like our courses at the end because it's pretty clear that we weren't going to get to make any games so we just started making games on our own and kind of figuring out how that would be applicable to our university course like there's this subject where we had to make an interactive experience and i'm like heck yeah that sounds exactly like an excuse to make a video game i I spent like hundreds of hours making this counter-strike level because i thought that would be a fun thing to learn how to do and then i got terrible marks on it because it didn't meet the spec and all the people who got like really good marks made pick a path adventure websites (laughs) Oh, no. That, like, gives you a really good kind of summary of my, like, games education, quote, unquote. Um, So, then, out of all that, I uh, I ended up getting a job at Half Brick, and I started there as a, well, I started there as a junior designer, and, like, my very first day of work at Half Brick, they basically said, oh, hey, you're, like, the the new designer, right? And I was like, yep. And they said, do you know how to use Flash? I was like, yeah, I did quite a bit of flash prototyping at university and they're like sweet you're an artist now <laughs> and i oh, like, wow. instantly got put on i did three months of um arting uh introduction cut scenes for a psp game 
Um, and then after all that, I ended up getting to do design and, you know, I did worked on, God, I don't even, a bunch of Game Boy Advance games. Like all my first games were on the Game Boy Advance, um, which was really, and, you know, these, these were all like licensed titles. These were making games for Nickelodeon via THQ via Half Brick kind of thing, all these crazy. Oh, sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know, um, basically hell like <laughs> actual hell on earth it was really i mean you know i learned heaps and i really feel like that's a like a really formative part of my career but like there's nothing um nothing fun about it that's for sure it was uh sure yeah and then you know i mean keep, keep it on i'm just gonna keep on plowing through like the whole story unless, no, yeah, unless you want to jump in <laughs> no and uh no this is this is great i'm you're actually doing a really good job giving me the detail oh, I'm cool Okay. Um, yeah. So, and then we started doing, I mean, basically, you know, the, the business sort of started to slowly turn downwards. Um, we had like the, the global financial crisis, which was a huge deal for us because like half the reason that the Australian industry, like the Australian work for hire industry existed was our dollar was really, really weak against the US dollar. So like, you know, if you go, Hey, we want to make a game and we'll pay you, you know, we've got a budget of like $100,000. If you go to an Australian studio, like we're getting paid $200,000 because, you know, it was like 50 cents on the dollar. Um, sure. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there were like a, a huge part of our industry was kind of built around that. And then all of a sudden, like the global financial crisis happened and the basically like the Australian dollar hit parity with the US dollar. So, all of a sudden, like we weren't getting paid two hundred thousand dollars anymore we were getting paid one hundred thousand dollars um and you can imagine it's not like we had 50 percent margins on any of this work so right yeah like yeah. the it, it was it was a huge deal like m massive amounts of the industry in australia collapsed um i remember because i was doing some research about it and like 65 percent of like the jobs disappeared within two years oh my god yeah it was a bloodbath so like around the time that stuff was happening, we were at Half Brick. We were like, "Oh shit! Like we can't do work for hire anymore. We got to start doing original games." Um, and we made a bunch of original games before we made uh, before we made Fruit Ninja as well. Like we released four Xbox Live indie games. Um, so like I and then yeah, I worked on an Xbox Live indie game and then like an original uh, PSP game as well. Um, they were both kind of based around the same game. It's like this really hardcore racing game. Uh, mm -hmm. So anyway, was, so we did that and then that still wasn't working out. Um, so, you know, we, the company is like on this really steady decline. And, uh, and then I made this PSP game that like literally cost the company $170,000. So, you know, I'm feeling really good okay <laughs> at that point anyway sure. we end up having like a chat with my team and i'm like you know you guys we have to make three hundred thousand dollars this year otherwise get your get your folios together you know we're sunk um and three hundred thousand dollars in, in a year would be a really big deal because like at that point we were making like a hundred dollars a day you know oh wow like that was a massive like we weren't even in the ballpark for this thing <laughs> um so yeah i mean we were in we were in a really bad way um and you know i definitely you know i was feeling a lot of pressure after making this really hardcore racing game that cost the company a bunch of money and so we decided to take a few bets on um 
on iPhone. And so like another team had actually released one of our Xbox live indie games um, on iPhone already. Because this is all stuff that people forget. They're just like, oh, you guys did Fruit Ninja and then that was it. But, you know, it's such a long, such a long road to get there. So we released this iPhone game called Blast Off and it was like a, um, it was just like a quick port of a Xbox live game. But it was just to figure out, you know, what the process was. And we, we had our own engine. So we had to port a lot of engine stuff. Um, so that's like our, that was our pancake game, which is like, you know, you have, um, if you're making pancakes at home, like the first pancake is always a sacrificial one because the pan isn't quite set up right. It's like not on the right heat or anything. So I always call that Wait, game our pancake is game. Is that true? Wait, is, that, is that a thing? That's totally a thing. Like the first pancake always <laughs> sucks. You don't, you don't do this? The first, I know. I never knew that. Yeah, the first pancake No is wonder a, my pancakes always suck. <laughs> you just got to make more like because they get the... Once you hit like second, third pancake, then like the temperature is right and there's like the right amount of butter on the pan. And yeah, man, like you get a... The first pancake always blows. So... Wow. Maybe right, this is like a today. really... Maybe I made up this metaphor or something. I, I had in my head that was like a really common metaphor. Anyway. Even if you did, I mean, this is changing my life. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, we did this this iPhone game and and then, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it just sort of like went out and no one really noticed. And then we, so my team actually worked on two iPhone games at the same time. Um, so there was, I mean, there was basically six of us. Um, there was like a producer and then there was myself and we had two artists and two programmers. And uh, we, so I had, you know, myself and an artist and a programmer working on Fruit Ninja and then myself and an artist and a programmer working on Monster Dash was the other one. And um, yeah, we released, uh, we released Fruit Ninja. We only did like six weeks worth of development on that game to get the very first version up. Um, for the trailer, like me and Phil, who was the marketing officer at the time, went out, like I bought, I remember because I kept the receipt because I was so poor, $14 worth of fruit from the fruit shop. And we went out to, um, to a park and met up with Phil's friends and basically shot this stupid video of, them dressed up as like ninjas and fruit running around and smashing fruit <laughs> in the park and you know it was ultra ghetto like we did everything so cheap because we were like we we can't compete on budget and we can't compete on scope so let's not even try like let's really lean into competing on being kind of you know homemade and weird and out there um and then yeah i mean the the game sort of and like the game didn't immediately blow up either like we didn't get featuring or anything when we first released from apple that didn't come till a week or two later and you know it all sort of picked up and up and up and up and up and just kind of blew up from there um so not to not to stop your momentum or anything but i just have a couple of questions that have come up so you were pretty you were pretty high up i guess within the studio at this point is that right yeah sort of i think i was so at that point you tested my memory at that point um i wasn't (laughs) i I wasn't like running the design when i left i was um chief creative officer so i was running the design cohort um at that point i was running a team but that was it i didn't yeah so i was um you know i guess like the lead of a team at that point okay yeah well you were just talking Um, about kind of like the numbers and stuff so you seemed kind of in the know and how this company was doing how many people were in this company at this point oh yeah i mean you know one thing is 
definitely pretty much everyone was in the know of how the company was going because we were always like really transparent always tried to be very transparent about what was going on so like we would have a meeting with the whole company it would be like this is how much money we're making and like this is i mean at the point that point it was like this is how fucked we are basically um you know there was a there was a lot of transparency there but anyway when we released fruit ninja we were at uh maybe I have in my head we were at like either tw- we were about 28 people just shy of 30 i believe i mean we were still fruit ninja was far from the only project going on we were working at the same time on um the blob for ds so we had that going we had an xbla game uh in development called rascals and okay. i believe we had like another avatar game for ds in the works as well like you know the and these were pretty big projects like these are like seven eight month long projects rascals was in development for years as like a two or three year project so so yeah i mean my, my team was only six people but we had 30 people within the company ish sure so how long was the development process for fruit ninja yeah so it was six weeks for fruit ninja wow yeah. okay yeah we just crushed that out really fast and like in that six weeks we spent maybe like two and a half weeks just working on like the the splatter effects for the fruit because oh really yeah we were just like no this is definitely the most important part of the game is how good it feels if it, if it doesn't feel good to slice fruit then like who who even cares about anything else so we would sit down so there was myself um steve last and uh shaft mcguire were the the main three kind of working on it and we would just sit around steve's computer all three of us and we would be like slicing the fruit and then going like no i think um you know, let's try something where the splatters orientate themselves based on like how much like on what direction the blade was going and so he'd change it and we'd just be sitting there like analyzing the way that this fruit was like breaking apart and splattering for two and a half weeks it was super fun <laughs> it was it, it was really really good um and I mean, back then it was so easy, right? Like there was only there was only a couple of iPhones out. There was like everyone was on the same OS. There wasn't like iCloud and Game Center, and you didn't have to implement ads, and you didn't have um, you know analytics to implement. Like it was so like you literally just made this really simple little game. Um, and at that time, we put in Open Faint, which is a blast from the past, and that was like a couple of days, and then that was it. You know, like the the whole game came together so. Like just unthinkably quickly compared to how much is involved in releasing an iOS game these days. Right. Uh, so you're getting ready to release the game. Did you know it was a good game? I I liked the game. I was really proud of the design of Fruit Ninja. But like, you know, after, <laughs> I guess at that point, after however many years, it was like five years of like uh, releasing games and, you know, nobody caring because it's like some licensed game or you know getting reviews where people would go i wish this game had multiplayer and like meanwhile i'd killed myself for four months making multiplayer (laughs) on a game and then releasing like some original ip that you know what came out with very much a whimper and then lost a bunch of money it's not like i was primed for this thing to be a big success you know everything so everything so far had taught me you make games and then you don't get any success at all and it just crushes your soul a little bit. (laughs) Um, So I I definitely wasn't feeling... I I was proud of the game and that was about it. Like that was as much as I was sort of thinking about it. I was in no way primed for any level of success and if anything, I was expecting it to just kind of like 
be exactly what had happened every other time I'd released a game. <laughs> so then you do release the game, Fruit mm-hmm. Ninja goes out. What's the what's the immediate thing that happens? You said it, it didn't pick up right away, but at what point did you realize that it was, I guess, going really well? I mean, so when we, we came out, we got like a... So we've, we got a couple of reviews on like Touch Arcade and stuff. You know, we got a lot of coverage for the trailer, which was really good. Um, we're feeling pretty good about that. And then like the first week we're doing like like maybe 100 units a day, which is fine. I mean, it's like it was good. It was like as much money as we'd made on anything else, but, you know, it was nothing crazy. Um, and we got like a bit of a spike and it sort of slowly started to drop off. Um, and then the second week comes around and we're doing like maybe – a thousand units a day and i was like whoa this is something and if we do a thousand units a day you know but th- this is going to make our three hundred thousand dollars in a year so i was feeling really good about that mm-hmm. um and then you know we got some some featuring from apple and it just it, it is completely it just really kind of you know i guess I've, i want to say organically but obviously the featuring from apple wasn't organic um it started to pick up and then, you know, at some point we were doing, like, especially after the feature, we were doing like $10,000 a day and I was like, holy, wow. holy shit, like this is really, this is really something. And then the featuring kind of stopped and we weren't featured on the store anymore and you're kind of expecting like the typical slide back down, but it didn't, like it kept, it accelerated even more and it just kind of hit this critical mass where it was going up and up and up and it's just you know at that point i was like holy crap like this this thing is just gonna keep on going huh um yeah it was so yeah it wasn't like there was any kind of instant you know we didn't have like that really explosive instantaneous success i mean i guess it was it was like over the course of five or six weeks we came to realize it um but yeah, it certainly wasn't like this one thing happened and then it blew up. It just kind of kept accelerating and accelerating. And then we were like, whoa, okay, this is a, this is definitely a thing. Um, yeah. So then what happens? The company was on the brink and and then Fruit Ninja starts making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> What's that feel like inter- internally? Oh, my God. It was, it was just, I mean, it was a couple of things, right? Like, it, it, it I mean, everyone was really happy for one, but then immediately, um, me, myself, Steve, and Shaf, like, we instantly go into holy crap, we got to update this game mode, and we were just really pumping out updates. Like it was, you know, we we in some ways it was like, oh, we finally got something here, and so there was some pressure off. But at the same time, it's like, well, we got to keep this going because you know maybe the company's relying on this and it's just kind of us three working on it. We did our very first update that we did, um, which fixed a few bugs and did a couple of things. And I try to remember exactly what we added in the first one. Oh, we added like multi-touch support and combos, I believe, because we didn't even have combos in the very first one. Um, okay. We, we released it and instantly we started getting all these one-star reviews because people on like a particular device uh were the game would just like hard lock on them as soon as they opened it and so you know you can imagine like we finally got something and we feel like maybe we've fucked it up (laughs) yeah it was um it was like an insane amount of pressure um and so we we've we fixed that up and um (laughs) 
It was just such a crazy hunt. I remember we we had the the update for this one that was broken, and um and we were working there late, and it was just me, Steve, and Sharf, and um the the guy, the CEO, and the guy who owned the company, Shaz, was there as well, kind of you know keeping an eye on proceedings and helping out where he can. And um, right. Steve, we and you know we didn't really have like a big QA department or anything. It's just us trying to test it and get it out rapidly, like under this massive time pressure. And Steve goes oh by the way i've like fixed up the way that the fruit rotates because before like the fruit rotated um it it was like a gimbal rotation so you know you're just saying like uh xyz rotations on the fruit and when some of the fruit would get sliced it would kind of get gimbal locked and kind of rotate weird um so we're getting ready to upload this build and steve's like oh by the way i changed like the rotation for the fruit and i'm just like what what are you talking about like you you made like some last minute change to this build that we're about to upload that you know we're we're in this like insanely high pressure situation and we 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 had to upload it right away like no one had even checked to make i mean you know it was like pretty in retrospect it was a pretty safe change but we're all just freaking out and um shaz was they're looking at Steve and he's like how confident do you feel about your change steve's like steve was 19 at the time he was like, I feel, I feel very confident. And Shaz like looked dead at him and he goes, would you stake your career on it? Oh my God. And Steve <laughs> like thinks very carefully about it and he goes, yes, yes, I would. And we hit the bloody upload and then release button on it right away. Completely untested. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, so I guess like, I like kind of telling that story because it kind of gives you a bit of a feeling of, you know, obviously we were elated and things are doing great, but you kind of, a lot of people assume, oh, things are doing great. Like you guys are basically in holiday mode, right? Like celebration mode is like, nah, it was not like that at all. It's just instantly balls to the wall, pressure and stress. So, um, and then obviously like after we, you know, I think we did like 10 updates in maybe six months or something and then after that and it was really doing well some of the pressure started to to come off that because you know we're like well this is definitely an established thing now um yeah and now you look at it today it's one of the best-selling apps of all time yeah yeah it's a it's crazy really looking at it from 2016 how does that feel uh really strange is because so we myself Stephen Scharf worked on it for maybe two and a half years post launch and at some point we were like man we we can't work on this anymore you know like we this is we'll literally be spending the rest of our lives working on this game and we were getting very burnt out and um sure you know very burnt out on the project and i was kind of working on at the same time like we'd done monster dash and i'd released um jetpack joyride as well um at the same time as working on two and a half years of fruit ninja updates and so we ended up we we decided like yeah we're going to get another team within the um, company to work on it um and so then it's very strange because you know this this project is your baby in a lot of ways um you you care you know you're you know so much about it and you care a lot about it. And then at some point you kind of got to let go and, right. and someone else is going to work on it. And, and, you know, like all the, all the other teams who've worked on it. Cause like at this point, you know, literally a hundred different people have worked on fruit ninja at various points. Like if you open up the game and look at the credits, it's massive. 
Um, and, you know, we would have like the Connect version and all this sort of stuff and Fruit Ninja Puss in Boots and Fruit Ninja Math Master and Fruit Ninja. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's been so many versions. And it's weird because like I look at that stuff and I guess I see a lot of stuff in there that I think, well, I wouldn't have made that that way or that doesn't quite fit with my original vision of how I thought that that should work and things like that. But, you know, you gotta you got to let go of it as well or else like I'd spend my whole life trying to do all of it which is obviously not sustainable or tenable um and and so you know it's like it's very it's very weird feeling because I guess it's at some level (laughs) like I I totally appreciate what other people are doing and I think they've done good jobs but then at the same time there's kind of this personal part of me that's still attached to the project that side of saying the other thing and saying like, no, why would you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, it's a very, it's like a weird kind of thing to, I guess, come to peace with and come to grips with to, to have something that's still going like that. And you kind of, yeah, like from 2016, kind of looking back and thinking about how it started and then where it is and, you know, all the, all the amazing things that have been added to it at various points and all the maybe not so great stuff that's been added to it at various points. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strange experience. I can imagine, yeah. But you did separate yourself from it. In, in fact, you've gone on to go to a completely different company, your own company. Yeah. Um, pretty Great. How do you get from Fruit Ninja to Pretty Great? So, yeah, I mean, we... So, yeah, I was working... We were doing Fruit Ninja stuff. And then obviously, like, at, you know, we, I guess, like, you know, basically the whole story with Jetpack Joyride is almost the same sort of thing, um, you know, where we released it and then it took off. And then we were doing updates on it and then working on it for years, et cetera. Uh, and then eventually, right. like, you know, I stopped working on that. It's, you know, pretty similar trajectory to Fruit Ninja, albeit just sort of like on a different scale. Um, and then, you know, I was working on a lot of different games. Uh, internally at Halfbrook but at the same time I sort of got into a position where um, so I was the chief creative officer there and I was um, you know a lot of my days were spent doing meetings and you know like hiring designers and training like more junior designers and um, kind of things like that and related to that which was really great. Like I really, I really loved doing that, and I learned a lot from from that experience as well. But then at some point, we, you know, I, I sort of started to get to the point where, like, you know, we were very much in a routine. Um, you know, I was running a team, but I wasn't getting to be very hands on with that team. Um, and at the same time, I'd been at Half Brick at that point for I don't know eight and a half years, I guess nine years, eight years or nine years, a long time anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I was like. I just sort of started to feel like it was time for a change and time for kind of new challenges and try new things and to kind of like strip it all the way back and kind of get in that position where you're starting from the bottom again. Um, so eventually, yeah, we got to the point where, yeah, so myself, uh, Phil Larson, who was the CMO, and uh, Hugh Walters, who was the art director at Half Rick, all sort of, you know, I guess we'd been chatting for a little while and we guess we were all kind of, we'd all been there for a similar-ish amount of time and been there all through the same experiences, through Fruit Ninja, through Jetpack, through like the old days where we were doing license titles and we were all kind of on the same page and feeling the same way and we we're like, all right, I think it's time for us to, you know, we have, 
a vague plan of what we want to do, but let's just jump <laughs> in and and do this and like set off on a, a new adventure. So, yeah, I mean that was that was kind of how that came about. And you know, we we basically jumped out, and and it was like crazy when we we left and everything that happened. So we we didn't already have um, investment lined up or anything, and none of us had like any kind of meaningful amount of savings. It's not like we could just kind of float around for a year or two and. Um, right. see what happens and we we left and it was crazy like my last day my last day at half brick you know we'd we'd gone to the pub and then we had like my farewell and everything and so then i got home and i was kind of pretty drunk because you know it was a <laughs> it was like a big event and i was quite a quite emotional because you know it was, i had a lot, a lot of mixed feelings leaving and everything um and so then i got home uh, and then at roughly midnight that night, we like registered the company so that it was like an actual business. Um, we'd just gotten like our, our business cards that day. Uh, and then I got up at like six in the morning, packed my bags and we jumped on a plane and flew to San Francisco the very next day for GDC. Um, oh, yeah. And to basically go to GDC and tell people, hey, guess what? Like we, we started a company yesterday. <laughs> um and and to try and like you know see if anyone would be interested in investing in us and kind of helping us get this thing off the ground so yeah it was uh it it was pretty wild um and you know we were just we came back from gdc and we were just working out of phil's basement (laughs) classic kind of indie indie startup story i guess and um you know yeah just working out of a basement and then eventually we got investment from matt and andy the hipster whale guys who did crossy road Um, oh yeah which was you know uh, amazing like that's just been been so perfect for us because they're game developers they get it like they and you know we'd known matt and andy well i'd known matt for a, a reasonable amount of time i hadn't known andy before on account of he's so young <laughs> um, right and uh yeah all kind of kicked off from there you know we've got an office and it's been it's, you know it's just been amazing it's been uh, i was saying i felt like and this isn't to um discredit half brick in any way it's just more you know the product of being in a similar environment for a long time like the very first month of starting pretty great i feel like i learned more that month than i'd learned maybe the previous year uh being at half brick because there was just so many new things we had to figure out how to do and there wasn't anyone there to do it for us we didn't have an accountant who was doing payroll you know we would have to figure that out we didn't know how business worked we would have to figure that out and um and then also like at that time we didn't even have a programmer so i was also doing all the programming which I have a, oh, sure. you, know, I, you know, I I do have like a little bit of a background doing programming, but really not much. Like I hadn't done any programming in, in any meaningful way for, you know, like seven or eight years. Um, and so, you know, it was just, uh, just by jumping into that deep end and really diving in there, just had to learn so much new stuff, which was, you know, I guess exactly what we were looking for. Um in, in going, you know, taking off on this new adventure. So, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's been pretty pretty wild ride. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Is that on my end? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's very quiet where I live, so I don't think there would wow. be horns honking. <laughs> <coughs> Weird. Sorry about that. No, that's cool. Um, well, congratulations on pretty great, and and I guess on your career as a whole, it's it's quite an exciting story. So thank you for sharing it with me. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's worthwhile. I like it. I like it. Well, um, pretty great has been established for you know a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are working on currently. Sure. Ah, oh, I feel like this the timing of this is really weird because we're getting ready to announce something like really soon. Okay. So, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> okay. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Um, I don't know when you're planning on announcing it, but this episode isn't going to air for a couple weeks. Right. It's, so, yeah. So, we're getting ready to announce something probably in a couple of weeks. I mean, there's some stuff that I can tell you. Um, so, I mean, you know, we did, we did landsliders previously. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill someone. What's happening? <laughs> you, you, you live in the city, right? I do, yeah. I live downtown in uh, in a fairly large city. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> excellent. So yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, the new car we're working on is like a game that has cars in it, and we just got sound effects in yesterday. So now, when like the cars are driving around and hit each other, they blast their horns. And, and like, I kind of had to check my phone when I could hear the horns on your end. Because for an instant, I was like, man, maybe the game is open. Because it sounds exactly like the, the really? horns we have in the game. I guess there's only so many ways you can make, like, a horn sound. But, yeah. I don't know. So I guess it depends what you're going for. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so well, anyway. I, we d- yeah. I want to I hear the announcement, though. I wanna oh, know. okay. Well, yeah. So I'm we- dying. So I guess for a little bit of context, so we worked on we worked on landsliders and we did that quite quickly. We did that in like four months, and then you know we supported that for quite a long time. And we did slide the shakes, which was like a much smaller game. Um, we made that in like thirty working days, just to oh, kind wow. of see if we could. And um, now this next game that we're working on is a bunch bigger um, and way more ambitious and frankly terrifying. Um, so like a couple of things that, I mean, I guess it's stuff that I've sort of maybe mentioned on Twitter or mentioning to people, but we are making a multiplayer game this time. Um, and it's like, even just saying, like I tell other devs what we're working on and they're just like, oh my God, this is going to be really, (laughs) really hard. Um, but we're basically trying, what we're attempting to do is like large scale. So like, you know, right now we're thinking maybe 32 players, online real-time multiplayer on mobile is what we're trying oh, wow. to do so yeah we, we, we really want to have like a big kind of like a kind of big open world with a whole heap of players running around and interacting with each other and doing stuff so i mean you like obviously it's a far cry from anything that i've worked on before um i've got i, I did multiplayer way back in the day when we were working on ds games and like a multiplayer is just so hard and there's so many problems with it. And both myself and our, our programmer Chevy had both individually said at separate times, I'm never making a multiplayer game ever again. Um, cause it's, <laughs> okay. Because it's so painful. And yet here we are. We've decided. we. And I mean, it's, it's kind of consistent with what we were trying to do when we started the studio, right? It's like, let's just really dive into something hard and really give it a shot. So... Yeah, we, we, so yeah, we're working on yeah, something big, something multiplayer with a lot of players, and it's like real-time PvP style kind of, um, you know, n- not like a MOBA or anything. We're kind of aiming something a bit more, bit more casual. Well, quite a bit more casual than like a MOBA, or, and it has cars in it. So, well, you talked about the cars. That makes me think a little more casual. So, yeah, 
yeah makes yeah. sense yeah so yeah it's um yeah i mean we it, this might come out like around when we announce it the main problem is it's like if i go like hey guess what the game is blank um and then something happens and we have to push back the announce i wouldn't want to be like hey lugan can you like not release that podcast um but i feel like everything i've told you is stuff that i've kind of you know maybe like leaked out and i've never said it all in like one bit but probably like leaked out in bits and pieces here and there um but yeah i know we're 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 super excited for this game i mean super excited and terrified um this is definitely like the biggest craziest and the game that could probably go the most wrong of anything i've made before (laughs) wow okay um but yeah it's like super exciting We're, we're feeling really yeah really excited to get it out there and we're you going to put be... yourselves out there or something creative, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I mean, we're doing like um, in late December, hopefully, which I guess only a few weeks away, we're going to be doing a beta. Um, so, you know, we're going to try and get like a solid thousand people into the game just so, you know, we can try and burn down our servers and see what happens there and all that, all that stuff that's involved in releasing a multiplayer game. So Right, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, when you set that up, you give me a call. All yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. I mean, we we literally take as many testers as we can get. Definitely. So sure, we'll, we'll hit you up. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for uh, sharing what you could with me, and uh, I guess that's good. Uh, everybody, keep an eye on you know a future announcement from Pretty Great. They are clearly working on something cool, something new. So. Well, Luke, uh, I want to pick your brain on a couple of bigger scale things before I let you go, if that's all right. Yeah, sure thing. Let's Um, do it. This is, of course, the Indie Insider Podcast. So I want to talk to you. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you are the mobile guy, right? (laughs) You are. Sorry, you are. (laughs) What do you think about indie video games in mobile? What do you think about... Uh, you know, on, on a large scale, you know, all of the apps and games that are out there, how do people stand out? Give me oh, your general man. thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I did like a talk at, uh, I did like this micro talk at GDC at the beginning of the year. And I, it was sort of like a, they said to me like, hey, can you like get on stage and just do like five minute talk about mobile games? And I'm like, what? Like all of mobile games in five minutes? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and so, I mean, like, so that was interesting. And um, I guess I'd kind of looked up some stuff. It's crazy because at least when I looked it up in March, it's like there was, oh, I'm trying to remember the exact number. I feel like it was 19,000 new mobile games come out every month just on iOS. Wow. Um, and so it is insane like just the pure volume of stuff coming out is absolutely crazy and yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a really hard problem like i mean you really have to make something special in order you know the discoverability is such a big issue in mobile games i mean i think it's a big issue in like any game because even on steam you know there was that stat that came out recently that 40 percent of every steam game that exists came out this year so it's not like any of these problems are like unique to mobile it's just i feel like mobile is sort of a little bit of a different scale and maybe got there a little bit sooner than the other platforms in terms of hitting that kind of really big that really big market saturation so you really got to make something to try and stand out and then you've got to you know i mean i feel like people have been harping on this for like maybe five or six years now but it's not enough to just make a great game so many great games come out 
and they just don't get noticed or recognized or or anything at all you've really got to think about marketing and how you're going to make your game you know how you're going to position it how people are going to tell their friends about it and you know what the whole the whole message is there and you know it's so it's definitely really difficult um and you know i know that a lot of people there's like a lot of indie developers a lot of mobile indie developers struggling with that sort of stuff um at the same time there's a lot that are doing really well and um you know there's a there's you know plenty of, so uh steve and Sharth, who worked on fruit ninja with me released their first game um i think it was almost i think it might have been exactly six months ago now as their, their own indie studio which is called steppy pants and that thing just for a little while just blew up it was uh and it, and it was just so perfect because it's like li- and the game is you're literally walking down the sidewalk you're just like walking down the street and that's it and but the, all the art is super hilarious and all the animation is amazing and it just has that kind of that special mystery X factor that you need to kind of stand out and go viral. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like a really tough market. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's definitely tougher than it was in the early days where there was a bit of a gold rush, right? Like where there was like right. a, heaps of people out there who wanted games and there just weren't that many games. So you... You know, you could there would you could make something not quite as good or not quite as ambitious and do particularly well. And now it's just like even if you make something really good, that's no assurance that the game is going to do well. Um, I mean, that, you know, that said, I mean, I guess it feels it probably sounds like I'm really pessimistic. I'm not actually that pessimistic. Like I think if you make <laughs> if if you really sit down and you think about it, I think like you can have a reasonably good shot at success um you know i I guess i think about it like if you're like opening a coffee shop right i don't know what what it's like uh everywhere but certainly in australia and i mean i know like you know from visiting a lot of different places there's just coffee shops everywhere and if you open a coffee shop it's going to be hard, right? Like there's a lot of coffee shops that would open and then fail because there's just so much competition around and people are already going to like their favorite coffee shop and they already have their loyalty cards. But it's not like you can't open a new coffee shop and do well. You just really got to think, what am I going to do to stand out? You know, how am, how am I going to get people to come to my shop instead of their shop? Um, what, what am I going to do to attract people and keep them in? And hopefully a big part of that is, you know, you're going to make really good coffee, like better coffee than other people. Um, so I kind of feel like it's the same at the moment with almost all games. It's definitely hard in the same way that opening a coffee shop is really hard because you're kind of up against the odds, but you can definitely, if you really sit down and think about it, you definitely give yourself a better than average chance of doing well and making something successful out of it. Um, but I guess like, yeah, I guess, you know, because we run our own business, a lot of my brain is always thinking about the businessy sides. But like on the creative side, oh, my God, there's so many good, really interesting, creative mobile games coming out all the time in the indie community. And a lot of people don't hear about them because they don't necessarily hit like the top 100 or whatever. But uh, there's like such a, a – any. <laughs> I really get frustrated when people are like, oh, I just feel like there's no creativity and everyone's rehashing the same genres or everyone's trying to rip off Clash Royale. And I'm like, yeah, if you like downloading games like that, sure, that's what you're going to see. But if you go looking for it, there's so many incredible 
new innovative mobile games coming out like every week it's it's like embarrassing it's like a you know total overload of creativity and interesting designs out there on mobile it's yeah super exciting so how do people go about finding those things if they're not you know hitting their front page i mean that's a that's a good question i guess like i i feel like i probably hear about a lot of them from other developers and you know it's all like kind of word of mouth but also everyone that i like almost everyone that i know like is pretty deeply involved in video games so that's probably sure. not like a typical channel <laughs> but it, it's you know it's a really interesting question is like how do we you know how do we get better discoverability on like these digital storefronts that kind of address niches because you know right now i think the discoverability is like there's general improvements here and there but they totally don't serve niches at all um yeah i I definitely do not know someone much smarter than me would need to figure out what that is (laughs) i literally just like like ride on the coattails of people that i talk to and um and i guess like you you eventually you know find like either portals or developers that are kind of consistently putting out really good interesting fun stuff um, and then, you know, next time they have something out, you play it and you tell all of your friends about it. And, but yeah, that's, uh, that kind of niche discoverability is, is definitely, definitely a challenge, but yeah, it's, um, super, there's, there's so much good stuff coming out. It's like embarrassing. So in that same vein, what do you think in, in, a, in broad terms, what is the future of indie video games, especially in the mobile market? Oh God! I if I if I knew, <laughs> then <laughs> then I'd be like definitely taking big bets on myself. I'd be sure. if, if I knew what it was, like I'd be like, well, that's it. See you later. I'm getting rich. But I guess <laughs> I guess you know where I, I I'm t- where. So I mean, pretty great. I mean, is obviously we're taking we're taking like some bets on the fact that we think it's going to be like really heavily social experiences such as like, you know, real-time multiplayer. Um, and, you know, there's some of that, I mean, you know, I guess like a really good example was um, like Slitherio, which is super simple. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's been kicking around the top of the app store for ages. And I guess, you know, you look at like Clash Royale and Clash of the Clans and all that. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of these kind of really social multiplayer games. Um, you know, I definitely feel like that. I mean, you know, you're f- most people are playing it on a phone. You know, not, not many people are playing that on an iPod um, at this stage. Like the iPod market share is pretty small compared to the phones. Right. And I mean, like your phone, the, the most used apps, like never mind games, is you know instagram snapchat facebook they're like you know essentially social experiences so it totally makes sense that games are going to like continue to converge into that space as well and become increasingly social um so you know i definitely feel like that's going to be a big trend and compared to say the when we released fruit ninja uh, so like 2010 and then later in 2011, like the the whole game space at that point was very much dominated by, I guess, ad break games, right? Like single kind of casual arcade experiences that fit in mm-hmm. about three minutes, but they're very like, and the, the, the entire social aspect of them was, you know, leaderboards and achievements, I guess. Whereas now, obviously like, you know, Clash Royale, which 
is a great game, you know, real-time multiplayer and then you have like your clan that you're a part of and like information and resource sharing and, you know, it's like a, it's its own little social platform within the game and, you know, like weaved into the game. So, yeah, I guess that I definitely see it moving extremely social and it makes so much sense because you have it on this phone which is already connected to a bunch of networks and is always kind of you know connected to to data at this point in most of the developed world at least um you know and you, you have it with you and you know it's such like a perfect platform for these highly social experiences so that would be my crystal ball prediction and i really hope we're right because that's what we're betting on <laughs> yeah well you know what i hope you're right too and i really hope the new mystery game goes well for you sincerely yeah, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the time has come, Luke. I told you about it before. It is the end of the show where I ask my guests to gather up all the experiences and all the stories and all their thoughts and share that piece of advice with the aspiring indie developers out there. Uh, mm. What What do you want people to take home from today? Uh, well, I guess this is something that I say to a lot of, and this is interesting, I give this advice to some people and it, it apparently it ruffles a few feathers but so and and it totally seems like it's common sense to me like it seems like really straightforward but like I guess my big thing is really like hurry up and make games faster <laughs> like just just make stuff at like the maximum speed you can and I, I, I guess people get annoyed because they feel like I'm saying like don't spent don't be like a craftsman don't like put you know that element of craftsmanship into your games it's totally not what i'm saying at, at all um i guess like my main thing is like i really want more indie developers to like develop rapidly and like make decisions with like confidence and, and really get stuff out there because like the the digital landscape is so crazy and so perilous it it really pains me when i see people spending like three or four years on a game and like a bunch of those games end up being really good games and you know certainly some of them do really well but i can't even imagine the heartbreak of spending three years on a game and then it releases and you know you came out the same week as clash royale or whatever and you just get totally yeah. buried and you know i guess like it's something that we've always done you know like with fruit ninja like i said which was six weeks and then you know even landsliders and slide the shakes like we it's like really get out there and like commit to like interesting ideas with like confidence and and really like attack them and and get into those ideas and don't don't kind of continually like second guess yourself and i i and you know slow down just keep hitting it really hard and fast and get stuff out there and you know get your game out into the world and you know, make make three good games instead of one good game, I guess. Just go faster, make cool stuff, do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here from Luke Muscat of Pretty Great. Um, and Luke, you're pretty great. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, wow. Thanks chatting. so much. It's, it's been, been super fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for naming your studio after something that fit in so well. <laughs> <laughs> what i wanted to say <laughs> it was good um of course this has been the indie insider podcast it is presented by black shell media a publishing and marketing firm out there to help make indie developers um 
or help them make the great games and connect them with great people. Uh, and of course, they also offer educational and motivational services for those developers and publishers and gamers, which of course is why this show exists and why I get to chat with people like Luke here. Uh, of course, if you want to be a part of the show, if you have thoughts, questions, you want to have somebody or recommend somebody to be on the show, shoot me an email, logan at blackshellmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. Luke, if people think you're great, they want to follow your projects, how do they find you on those interwebs? Uh, just Our website, prettygreat.com, is probably the best way. I think, or I guess people could follow me on Twitter, which is like at PG Muscat, uh, M-U-S-C-A-T, because people find that last name a little bit strange sometimes. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way, but we, like, we put everything up on our website and everything anyway, so that's probably Sweet. the easiest way. And stay tuned for some sort of special announcement from Pretty Great about their upcoming game. This has been Indie Insider, and we'll see you next week.